This episode of the Mountaineer Media Podcast is sponsored by Mr. B, the only potato chip made in the great state of West Virginia. You can find their products online at mrb.com or in your local grocery store. The weatherman called for minus one, which you always kind of know it's going to be a little colder in the valley than what they call for. But no, I did not know it was going to be minus 30 degrees. That was <laughs> that was insane. That's Evan Riley, a good friend of ours, an avid hunter who just experienced one of the coldest days ever in West Virginia history. I mean, I could. It was so cold. My everything in my nose froze. If I pinched it, it you could hear it crunch. I mean, it was. <laughs> <God>. <laughs> Saturday morning, January 22nd, Canaan Valley plunges to a record low, negative 31. The coldest temperature ever recorded in the region. And Evan, he's used to hunting in this cold, but he had no clue what was coming that day. No, the weatherman called for minus one, which you always kind of know it's going to be a little colder in the valley than what they call for. But no, I did not know it was going to be minus 30 degrees. That was, <laughs> that was insane. Like I said, it wasn't like that where I was. The, the car read uh, minus 17, but still, I mean, that's brutal cold. <laughs> and when the weather is Arctic cold, it can be hard to find a good spot to post up for a few hours to hunt. But with him specifically hunting for ducks that weekend, he knew there was something in particular he was looking for. A lot of my hunts, I like to just wing it and go out on... Like I was up in Canaan, went out on National Wildlife Refuge and you just kind of walk and look for your sign. And it also depends on what you're hunting, you know? It's different for deer, and ducks, and squirrels and all that. This weekend when I was up, it was so cold that any open water you got is probably gonna have birds on it because the whole valley's frozen. And they have to have open water. So you're just looking for anywhere you can find open water. And being the avid hunter that he is and well-versed with Canaan Valley geography, Evan had the perfect spot in mind when headed into the woods that frigid morning. It's this spot I've hunted several times before in past years, and uh, it's a spring-fed pond. It never freezes. It's not even a great spot, but when it's that cold in the valley and all the water's frozen, it is a great spot. It's a special spot, and you know something's going to be there. The snow was so crunchy where it's melting and refreezing, melting, refreezing. I'd walk over there and I'd typically jump stuff up before I'd get in range. You just get in there, sit down, stay deathly still. And they might fly around for five minutes or they might fly around for 20, but you know they're coming back because they don't have many options. <laughs> it, it was exciting. I mean, I, that was one of the better hunts I've had, duck hunts in my life because they were just they were going nuts it's like the videos you see on tiktok they're just flying around four or five different flocks in the air and birds whistling past your head and i got brush all around my head so i can't see anything unless they're right in front of me and you don't want to look up they call it moon facing because they'll see the white in your eyes and white on your face you kind <laughs> of keep your head down and birds are right past your head and <laughs> It, it was nuts. I mean, that was exciting. My girlfriend walked over there with me one time, actually. She didn't actually hunt. We were just going to check it, but there were so many birds, we decided to sit down and got one that trip. But 
I walked over there several times this weekend just because it, like I said, is such a special spot when the whole valley's frozen. It's awesome. And I think we can all admit negative 31 or negative 17 is just absolutely absurd. But for guys like Evan, whether it's bone chilling cold or just a mild morning, a day in the woods is therapeutic. I mean, a day in the woods is cheaper than a therapist, you know? <laughs> you go out there and it definitely is it's revitalizing. You know, you try and get in tune with it and leave your phone at home if you want, you know? I mean, it's it's definitely uh, a recharging experience. Yeah, like you said, you, you really can't beat it. I mean, you just can't beat it, <laughs> it, it, in my opinion. I mean, I love it. It doesn't matter if you see animals or game or whatever or not. It's just just to be out there and hear the sound of the birds or whatever, wind blowing. It's not everyone experiences that, you know, especially in today's day and age. And it's, it's good to definitely get out there and get in tune with nature, I guess. And, you know, like what our ancestors did, it's kind of cool. But West Virginians are used to dealing with the cold. Like many things, it's part of our DNA. And that holds true for our guest today from the Mountain Steer Meat Company. In Southern West Virginia, Greenbrier County to be exact, James Tuckweiler and Frank Ford are used to getting up early and getting work done in negative temperatures, attending to their cattle and providing beef to the greater Lewisburg area. And both guys were raised in ranching families. For Frank, farming goes back five generations, and for James, it goes back eight. I know you're thinking, how far back is eight generations? It's hard to pick an exact year, but it's before West Virginia was even a state in 1863. And although they were raised in old school farming circumstances, these guys are demolishing the classic farmer stereotypes and are utilizing the power of social media to help build their brand. It's a fast and fun 30 minute interview and we talk to these guys as they're literally working in the field, which makes for a unique interview. So let's get to it. Mace, hit the music. does not always shine in West Virginia, but the people always do. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Mountaineer Media Podcast. And today, CJ and I, we're sitting in our warm apartments. I got like a coffee and a water, but our two guests, Frank and James, these guys are hardened men. These are tough guys. They're out doing their job, doing the hard work. And that's, uh, I would say, what is it? What's the proper term? Is it cattle? Is it cattle ranching? Are you guys ranchers? What What's the right terminology here? Well, technically, if you're, if you're a crop farmer, you're a farmer. If you're a cattle cattle ranch raise cattle you're a rancher so technically we're ranchers but we don't really use that term on the east coast so we'll, we'll call it farmers now has the <laughs> has the rise of yellowstone do you guys feel like you're getting much more love <laughs> and like are people like hey these guys are pretty cool guys now since that show's <laughs> become popular <laughs> yeah well i get i get called rip a lot we're <laughs> like a dark dark gray felt hat so yeah i guess i guess I, we do <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. yeah frank's a better looking at it too so he, he gets the better uh, compliments than i get so 
<laughs> and James, you're, we were talking to you before the podcast. You're actually walking the field right now. What time, let's just start, maybe, what time does your guys' average day start? Like, what's, what's like the first thing on your mind when you wake up in the morning? Wow. Well, that's a wild question because, uh, like, um, so it just kind of depends on the day. Most of our day starts at sunrise, you know, 7 a.m. right now. That's what mm-hmm. time is. That's when my, my dad and I try to get out of the house and try to get everything, uh, start feeding, start breaking ice or whatever we got to do, you know, depending on wintertime, summertime. Um, and then there's other days that like with the meat company that we're in, I wake up at 5 a.m. to get invoicing and start emailing people. Uh, Cooper, I'm sure you've seen a few of my emails come through at 5 a.m. and probably wondering, wow, what, what are you doing up at this point? And emailing. And that's, that's about when I got free time, either that or uh, after dark, you know, when we get done doing everything. So that's about how my day usually goes. Right. And we'll give you a proper introduction, guys. We're talking to the guys from Mountain Steer uh, Meat Company. Is that correct? Mountain Steer Meat Company. You guys founded this yeah. in 2020. So before, so was it the pandemic type of stuff that you kind of looked around and you made a decision to really go full steam ahead of this? Or what kind of, what got you into this? I'll let Frank tell the story. He tells it way better than I do. Right, yeah, so um, so whenever whenever COVID really started, um, we have we have a really good friend. Um, he he's one of the owners of a local grocery store. It's IGA in Fairley, and we we kind of knew that there was a shortage of meat. We heard, we've seen it on the news. We've seen it um, on internet, Instagram. We've we've heard about it, but we never thought anything of it until our buddy calls calls Jamie and and says, "Well, is there any way that you?" get us beat for the grocery store and i didn't i wasn't aware of this conversation until and then i called jamie and i said hey wonder if we can supply like an iga or a grocery store with beef (laughs) and i was over at jamie's house and we sat down for a few hours we usually hung out in the shop before we started the meat company but now we don't have time to do in our community and outside of our community to have this quality beef this farm-raised beef and we're like well we can try it and when we tried it for a few weeks and uh, then we realized there was an actual demand for it so i mean especially through covid covid was kind of the kickstarter as as um i told him any any epidemic or pandemic that happens someone there, there's a need for something something right. there's a spot for something to to rise and we thought this is the perfect thing to do. So over a few drinks and a few beers, we, we decided to come up with Mountain Steer Meat Company. Yeah, it's usually after a few glasses of whiskey or bourbon that bad things happen for you guys. It was the greatest thing of all time, right? <laughs> yeah. 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 The ideas start blowing. Yeah, exactly. So so right now, James, you were out in the fields. What exactly are you doing? Because as we're recording this, it's in the morning right now. You can you explain to us what's kind of going on for you right now and, and what's the rest of the day looking like? Yeah. So like right now I'm going between pastures where I got different cows, uh, different boundaries. Um, you know, we, we do a cow calf operation and we retain our, uh, calves for a year. Then now obviously with the meat company, we're, we're changing it up a little bit, feeding them and get them to, uh, ready for finish weight. But what I'm doing this morning is 
I go between the boundaries with my dad and myself and we feed them. I break the ice. I do an overall health check. Um, if something's going wrong, I know him, we make a schedule after that point. So like my day to day could be done at two o'clock or it could be done at dark, depending if something goes entirely wrong. Okay. Yeah. So you know, I got a, a calf that's sick. Like the other day we had a calf that had bloat and we had to get it in the barn and these are, that, that animal is 600 pounds. It doesn't always work exactly how you want it to. They're, they're, every day is just a little bit different, but it has the same core basics um, that we do. And again, it changes with the season. Uh, we don't get to, but really this is what we love to do. And we're just now to the point that we can make money with what we do as well. Cooper, breaking news. Mr. B was named the best West Virginia made food product. I know you, big potato chip guy. So this was like, uh, this this certainly was something that you were paying attention to. Does not surprise me one bit. Mr. B chips is the only chip that I actually consume. So it's a delicious <laughs> chip and I oh, will- Oh, no way. I, I was no, voted. there's no way that that's the only potato chip that it you- It is. I'm a loyal <laughs> fan of Mr. B because of the incredible entrepreneurship, philanthropy efforts from Marianne Kettleson, the CEO of Mr. B chips. And it's a, look, she makes an incredible chip. Why not make it exclusive to my diet to have uh, Mr. B chips? You know what though? I can picture you sitting down at a restaurant and like the sandwich comes out and then they're like do you like chips or fries and you're like pass i've got my own and then you just bust open potato chips and just use that instead but it is pretty incredible they've got all these different flavors original sour cream and onion barbecue honey barbecue dip style cheddar sour cream jalapeno salt and vinegar they even get the potato stick style like the thin little potato chip styles do you have like a favorite that you go to i would say barbecue honey barbecue but uh what what about you do you have a favorite barbecue is a staple definitely but you can't really miss with the original if you're at a barbecue if you're at a cookout if you're playing golf i will throw those in my bag uh they're guaranteed to be people's uh, favorite little chip little uh snack that they have so i'm more of a classics i like to play the classics barbecue and original yeah, I, I like I, I really cannot just get into like the all the other little flavors like I, I don't know like jalapeno man I, I don't know I'm, I'm still working my taste buds but Mr. B definitely a great product so I you know we'll it, I'll be willing to give it a try I guess. MrB.com, Marion Kettleson. She's an incredible lady. They make the Mountaineer Media Podcast possible. Thank you to them. Support them. They're a West Virginia company. And go to MrB.com and show your love to them as well. Now, when you set out to, I mean, because it's, uh, first of all, you got your logo is awesome. The website looks nice and clean. Like you guys really quickly, I like that it tells a story. And you mentioned, James, earlier that an important part of this is not just, you know, providing the service and, and the product, the end product, but also education for the marketplace about people where they get their food. You know, what's the process? Like, where did, did that kind of come from the beginning? You guys were like, hey, we're going to be very almost kind of like public facing and really try to be a part of the community. Was that like an early like core theme of it when you started out? Yeah, that um, Frank and I both are very, we want people to know what we do. Um, like I told you guys before, when we were talking is the big four meat companies that are out there, they don't really tell you what's going on. A lot of people have a guesstimation. There's a lot of what do they do? How do they do it? A lot of the ranchers don't get to voice their opinion. 
Now, it has gotten a lot better with social media and people out there doing podcasts. Uh, you know, there's a bunch of guys that do it. But at the same time, we, we still have people that don't understand that beef, pork, or any chicken come from the farms. They, are, they think grocery stores are who provide it to us um, because that's who sells it. And, that, and that's a kind of an American thing or even a, a commerce thing is, you know, you recognize where you buy as who's selling it. Yeah, and, and Frank, you can chime in on this too, but I, I think at the end of the day, it's like transparency, right? People, like you said, want to know where it begins and how it gets to their plate. And that is important. And that's, you guys have made that as simple as possible, right? It truly goes from your farm to somebody's plate, not very long after it leaves your farm. Absolutely. Yeah, the, the big thing with um, trying to teach people what we do and what we want to do with the meat company is a lot of these people didn't grow up on a farm. They didn't grow up around any livestock or agriculture. So trying to explain to them the whole works from beginning to end, because the the beginning starts way, way earlier than, than whenever you have that steak on your grill or on your plate. For sure. And, and trying trying to get someone to, to trying to teach someone that takes a lot of time. And and a lot of people I mean, I've heard the, the joke, the running joke that there's a few people that think chocolate milk is made in, in the back of a grocery store and it comes from a brown cow or, or something like that. <laughs> and and, and the, the truth is some people do believe that and, and trying to teach um, our area and, and outside of our area what farmers do around this country is, is a difficult task, but that's something we're really wanting to do. Because once they understand the quality and, and it's actually better for you and, and knowing that these farmers are actually out here doing this for the general public, not just for a dollar, then it, it becomes a better better place for, for agriculture and for these farmers that are busting their hind ends every morning and every day to, to supply, I mean, America's food chain. <laughs> Right. I think it's, I think it's a big deal too, because I mean, like you were saying, not to like slander big bucks, like company or food companies, but like, I think people are, we kind of just blindly trust what they're saying about what's in it, where it comes from, you know, all, all the different thing. And people during the pandemic often reflected about their health, what they're putting in their body, you know, their, their overall um, just well being. I think there's, you're going to continue to see that trend of people kind of wanting to know everything in life where a little bit more closer to the source uh, information about what they're, you know, what they're putting in their body, what they're eating, how they're, how they're monitoring their health and so forth. Um, so I, I think it's awesome for sure. Now talk to me about, cause we actually, we know the good folks down at the country roads angel network. We've had the chance to have Kevin Combs on the podcast and a couple other folks, you guys got connected with them. Talk to us about how that maybe helped you guys scale up or what's maybe what's, what's put in place now for 2022 that you guys are excited about. Yeah. So we got, we got with uh, the hive first and mm -hmm. with Peyton Ballard there. And we kind of reached out again. We try to do, we're doing things while we're doing other stuff. A lot of times we reached out and kind of, he mentioned, he heard our, our pitch about what we want to do. And I asked him, you know, how can you guys help? And we already had the business up and running. And he was like, well, I can help out a little bit with the business plan, but what it sounds like is you need injection of capital. Well, we have a, a, a partner group called CRAN country angel Rose network that we work with. And I think you would really vibe with one guy on there to talk to about this and start getting the thing and then you can pitch to them and it's the West Virginia shark tank. Um, mm -hmm. So who we talk, who we talked to is Kevin Combs. Mm -hmm. And 
I know you guys have had a talk with him on here and uh, you got vibe from him and everything. And we kind of sat down and we got on the phone call with him before everything. Well, when we're doing our pitch and everything, and he really, really came to like us and know that, you know, we're just two hardworking guys that are trying to do something, um, you know, at the time of event when it needs to be done. Uh, so we, we did our pitch on uh, the Angel Network, which was crazy because we did it on Zoom just like this. But you have all these people who want to invest in companies in West Virginia that have some tie back to West Virginia. Right. And we're sitting there and all of a sudden you see all these like little sidebars pop up. And there's probably like 50 people in this call. And wow. they're like, yeah. And they're like, I ah, just start talking about yourself. Let us, you know, let us know about what the company's about and what you need and what kind of investment opportunity you're wanting to get us involved with. And we're, me and Frank both have never done a thing like that in our life. <laughs> <laughs> and we're sitting there like, we sell meat. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, yeah, but what, there's more to you guys than that. And we, we, you know, we start good. And then we start getting into our personalities and we've now gotten pretty used to, you know, informing people, it, it is a massive change going from what we do today, you know, feeding cows and everything to stepping in front of a mic or stepping in front of a crowd of people and saying, hey, we know this is where you've been getting your meat from. We don't want to dock that. That is agriculture at its finest. But we want to show you that there's other ways, there's other avenues, there's grass fed, there's grain fed, local beefs, pork, chicken, all this stuff. And we want to be the front and center to, for you to get that from this area. Mm-hmm. and kevin really really responded well to that and we ended up did we ended up doing a deal with cran and with some investors in them and they got on board and they're helping us grow the company into what it is now yeah well you've linked up with some great guys kevin like you said we've had on here but happy belated birthday to kevin i think i saw that on facebook so uh yeah that's true yeah yeah definitely a good guy there so um you know what what does that what happens now? Okay. So you get the injection of capital that you kind of were looking for. How does that turn into the evolution? How does that turn into, you know, the next step for you guys? What does that actually become? So what we're doing is we're putting in a processing facility in White Sulphur Springs, West Virginia. And what this processing facility will do is allow us to be able to provide right on the spot meat of any proportion to the local community and surrounding areas. Um, you know, we're, we're building a 6,000 square foot processing facility that will be able to age and hang beef, chicken, pork, whatever we want to do and provide it to the public. And what we're doing now is we're, we're going to, instead of putting in the whole works and everything, we're working with a sister company, uh, the Cook Brothers over in Cool Ridge, uh, West Virginia to help us do our processing of slaughtering and stuff like that. Um, so that we can provide this product out to the world. Okay. Very cool. So is the goal, like what, in terms of like product placement at the end, are most people, are they getting it from like a local butcher that like, and they see like your stamp, it's got, does it have like the mountain steer stamp on it? Or like, how are most people interacting and getting the product on that end? Yeah. So right now uh, we've partnered up with IGA and Fairly and Daniels. Uh, we have about a dozen restaurants we work with and then the school system in Greenbrier County that we're working with right now. That's funny. Okay. Yeah. And so if you go to right now, we're and that's we're basically maxed out right where we're at. I wouldn't say max. We could definitely do more. Um, just hours would get longer. Um, but yeah, if you go to IGA, uh, we have a stand set up. Uh, we have a part of their cooler space set up. We have a four four foot section of their cooler that has our logo and 
our name on it. And below that, you find all of our products that they, uh, they, pro that they cut up and put out for us. Um, then if you go to the restaurants, we work with the French Goat, the Asylum, the Livery, uh, the Sporting Club, mm -hmm. uh, uh, Jim's Drive-In. I don't know if you guys ever heard of them or not. Um, you know, we work with all these restaurants and they promote us. They talk about our product, the product that we give to them. And, you know, if they have a signature gist that they put out there that we can provide, we do that. Um, you know, it, we're hoping that once everything gets done, that we'll have a retail space that you can come in and buy from us. That's awesome. Um, you can do what we're, we're, we haven't really nailed down exactly how we want to run it yet. Again, there's going to be startup woes and, you know, things that you just don't understand until you really have your shop set up and running. But, you know, we're kind of thinking of like a Sam's club, like bulk beef, because we want to work with grocery stores. We want to be able to be a distribution hub for this area's beef. Um, you know, so trying just to do straight up retail might not be exactly what we end up doing, but it, right. it might be as well. All right, TJ, you just fired up the grill. You've got some chicken on there. You've got some burgers on there. What are you adding to add some extra flair? Oh, dude, I'm going with Ray's Rub 11 out of 10 times. Ray's Rub is a West Virginia all-purpose seasoning. You can throw it on chicken, steak, burgers, veggies, whatever you want. And they've got 21 mouth-watering herbs and spices. So KFC, get that, that secret blend of 11 herbs and spices out of here, dude. 21 herbs and spices packed in this great bottle of Ray's Rub. Cooper, where can people go get Ray's Rub? Two places, CJ. They can go to raiserub.com, get themselves free shipping. They can also go to Amazon and order it and be at your house in two days. It's a West Virginia all-purpose seasoning. It's delicious. We had Brody on the podcast. He's carrying on his father's legacy by promoting Ray's Rub. It's great. Give it a try right now. One idea we've thrown around is doing um, an old-school idea of meat lockers. I don't know if you guys ever heard of that or not. Um, but back in the day, all the, you know, when beef was more localized, you go to your local slaughterhouse and say, hey, I, I want a pound of burger, a couple steaks, put it in my locker, which was usually located in the town. And you'd go to your locker and pick it up. Well, Holy we want to put it. Yeah, we, we want to put a 21st century vibe on that and have it where you can order this stuff online. We'll have coolers set up in our shop and a key coded lock to get in and, and say, all right, that's cool. Yeah. Wow. And and that way. You know, we're noticing the trend now is um, like on our Facebook, we're followed by more women than men, even though all the men are the guys, you know, sipping whiskey, whiskey, uh, <laughs> drinking, you know, smoking cigars, cooking meat. But the women are who are following us more because they they're the ones cooking at the home, but they also work nine to fives. So right. it's really hard on them. And, you know, we all now know how the employment stuff's going around. It's, it's getting harder and harder to get people employed and stuff like that. And, you know, if we have a ability that we say, OK, you're a trusted customer. We, we respect you. You respect us. Here's a key code. When you need to come in, you come pick it up. You've already paid for it. It's on shelf two of cooler one. Yeah. That's awesome. Cool, man. That, that is like yeah. a real, that's like you're, you're blending like the old school thing with like a modern, almost like how Airbnbs you get texted the information, you just unlock your Airbnb kind of deal. It's kind of like the modern version of like a meat pickup and you could have your whole freezer filled for, you know, months for the whole winter or something that they came and picked up, you know, 30 pounds worth of beef from you or something. Exactly. And again, we're not, we're not uh, crossing off anything of mailing, doing mail outs or anything like that. That's obviously another idea out there that everyone's doing in the meat industry, but we want to directly impact our local communities. Um, 
you know, obviously we can ship it to your door. That's really convenient. But it also you don't get a whole lot when you do that because shipping costs and keeping right. stuff cool. It, it, it does get in the way of doing some things. Yeah, that's cool, man. This now, is very cool. Are you guys both on the same property now? We are we walk. I can't tell. Like, or... yeah, we see oh. Frank's outside. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. so Frank is about right over that oh, hillside. Holy <laughs> shit. Yeah. yeah, I actually saw you, Jamie, when I was coming, coming back home. <laughs> That's oh, a beautiful yeah. view, That's man. insane. So how yeah, so, big is your property? Yeah. How, how big is the land here? Uh, we both have varying size farms. Um, basically, a lot of people don't, don't you know, talk about exact acreage just because a lot of people ranch or do stuff. But I'm running about 250 brood cows. I, Frank, you're running? About 130 broods. And then we got about 40 steers on feed and 25 replacement heifers. So there's a chunk. And he's got a little bit more than that. Yeah. <laughs> okay, just a couple. Uh, but yeah, and and to kind of roll back what you guys talked about, we want to do more than just with us. That's one of our big things. You know, in the farming community, you'll find a lot of the old timers are you got to have it or you got to show it to go it. You know, we're we want to they don't just change their operation off an idea. Um, mm -hmm. Radical movements really don't happen in agriculture a lot unless you have a couple individuals who are willing to risk a lot because what we have to risk is this you know if i go out and get a loan i gotta get a loan on what i have not yeah. not you know they they don't a lot of uh, banks don't loan on cows because cows right. are movable they do I, I shouldn't say like they do loan on cattle but for what we're wanting to do they usually take land as collateral mm. interesting uh, especially especially on new companies like us, we've only been in a business for a year. Um, you know, they can take on our processing facility as collateral, but again, there's depreciation that happens. Um, land is not depreciable. Well, it is, but it's not depreciating. It's going up every day. Um, right. So a lot of farmers are very hesitant to change their operation off of, oh, those Mountain Steer boys, they're selling some meat. Good for them. I'm not changing my operation today. Right. And, and what we're trying to, you know, show everyone is, hey, it's doable. We can do it. We've done it. We're showing that we can make money at it. Let us help you make more money farming. Let us be able to say, uh, we got some buddies out there like, hey, Logan, you've raised some sheep or some pigs for us. Let's put you on uh, our, our website for the day, you know, give you, or if we sell your meat uh, from your sheep to a restaurant, all right, this came off this farm. We're the guys selling it, but we don't, you know, this is who raised it. You know, let's give this farmer some love, you know, mm -hmm. show the, you know, show it around a little bit. Cause again, we are so in our own worlds a lot that nobody gets to see this, you know, no one gets to come out here. You know, I'm not inviting people to do this with me every day. I, I, I should, it might be free labor, but <laughs> you know, th this is, you know, no one's out here seeing that all these cows are walking. My dad's up there putting out hay. Frank's about to be in a tractor putting out hay. You know, it, it's, Kind of a lost art in a lot of ways. CJ, if you were going to look for a job in West Virginia, what website would you go to? Um, I ca I've got a guess. Are you going to tell me what website I should go to? 
if I was looking for a job, DJ, you know what I would do? I would go to beamountaineer.com. That's beamountaineer.com. And at that website, DJ, you're going to find Mountaineer Employment Solutions. Won't you tell our listeners about Mountaineer Employment Solutions? I was going to say beamountaineer.com. That was my answer, Cooper, to answer your first question. That was going to be my answer. But yeah, there's no doubt. Mountaineer Employment Solutions, if you are looking for a job in the state of West Virginia, that has got to be your first and only stop. It probably will be your only stop if it's your first stop because these guys are the premier talent acquisition and staffing leader in the state of West Virginia. They serve businesses and job seekers across the state and beyond from their offices in Charleston and Morgantown. So if you're looking for a job, they can hook you up. If you are looking, if you're a business and you need some extra employees, they can help you out with staffing as well. So dude, it's a one-stop shop. If you need help or if you're looking for a job, boom, beamountaineer.com. Go to those guys, Cooper. Yeah, no, I completely agree. That's a, it's a, it really is a beautiful thing. Now, have you ever, would you ever consider doing like a farm tour, like bringing people out and kind of doing that, like showing them the process, like almost like kids, like education kind of thing? Like, Absolutely. We have our local 4-H's that already do that. Um, me and Frank are both big and, um, you know, that kind of deal. I would love to, you know, show people what we do and everything like that. that that's absolutely on the market. Frank, what would that's you cool. say is the biggest misconception that you've maybe people initially say to you when they hear what you do, but then what's something maybe like that you kind of educate people on? Um, probably the biggest misconception is, well, a lot of people don't like um, how we raise animals on a farm. There's, there's a certain group that doesn't like that, but there's honestly, most people think that we don't have time to do anything because we're always on the farm or, I mean, we don't, we don't make a dime at anything. And, and there's really, sorry, I'm out of breath. I was walking up the hill. <laughs> um, no, I mean, there's really not many misconceptions like what people think. I mean, farmers, I mean, what I've heard whenever I was in school, they thought we were just a bunch of hillbilly rednecks or, I mean, there really wasn't much education on what we actually do. They just think we go out and play in the mud and, play with tractors and trucks and but but something that something i think that we're trying to do to educate on what we actually do is is we're out here calving out cows and there's there's certain steps of what each farm does see we're cow calf guys so we calve out cows we we breed cows we calve them out and then we wean them we get them up to weaning weight and then we ship them down the road then they get fed up and then the next stage they get fed up even more and then they get put on the plate they go through the slaughterhouse and they get put on the plate what we want to look what we want to teach people about farmers is like i said earlier is we're out here every per every farm is doing something different to supply good beef and with all these big meat processing plants they don't they don't have any shining light on those farmers that actually do the work um, they don't, they don't advertise as much. Like I would love to, Jamie and I would love to both, uh, sh- like shine light on these farms in our area and, and show people how, how much they're, I mean, they're hardworking people. Um, they're generations of hardworking men and women that, that have been doing it and, and trying to produce a good product. So it's really just showing, showing people, I mean, how much we actually do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Actually, this is kind of a good question. Like, how did 
you two even was this something that you grew up in how did you guys even like kind of get involved with you know uh, farming to begin with or, or especially cattle farming yeah well so we're Jamie, both you're what eighth, yeah. eighth generation yeah something like that i i yeah it's been a while yeah he's so. he's eighth generation i'm i'm fifth i think oh wow um our yeah our family we've been doing it for a long time and, and wow and we i went to university of kentucky for a year and decided that that the the college life was not for me and i'd rather much, i'd much rather be farming than uh and, and spending money i'd rather spend the money on the farm than on my my college education <laughs> that i probably wouldn't be using but um jamie went to wvu for forensic science he got his degree in it and look at him now he's he's farming every day of his life um it's just something we both love doing it's what our fathers have loved doing, our grandfathers, and we just keep the tradition rolling. Wow, talk about yeah, eight generations. I mean, that's got to, that's go back to like the 19, early nineteen hundreds at least, right? I mean, can they, you date that? Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, so here's a good example. So my parents' house that they live in right now, which is right there, was built in eighteen sixty three. Oh my gosh! What's the West Virginia's yeah, Parkway? That's yeah, West the first year West Virginia was a state. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Holy shit, like then. <laughs> and so yeah yeah and then my neighbor's house that my mother's family provide came from was 1861 i believe um so yeah it's it's definitely in our bloodline in my bloodline and frank's bloodline that we again you got to have a passion for this like nobody wants to be out here right now like i'm trying to throw ice off this trough and it's not working one-handed but i'm i'm breaking <laughs> ice on a water trough and i can't have my gloves on right now so i'm freezing out here doing it but because you're trying to touch the screen and stuff but not a lot of people want to be doing this you know here come in another 30 days both of us are going to be dropping calves on the ground like they're going all these cows are going to be having their babies and there might be a night where it's negative two wind chill i'm out here in this machine picking up calves throwing them in the machine trying to get them to the hot box try to get them warm um and one of the reasons we you're going to be like well why the hell don't you have them during the summer or the fall like why are you doing this in the middle of winter and, you know, we get that a lot. It's the market kind of demands how we do this, mm-hmm. um, how everything has been rotate. People do do fall calving summers and stuff like that. But our market has been dictated that spring calving and then by the fall, they're up to weaning weight and sell weight like Frank was talking. And then they sell them out west and then they get fattened up out west. And a lot of times when that happens, a lot of people don't understand that. We get docked 10, 15 cents a calf because they have to put a truck underneath it. They got to pay a trucker to get them out there. Well, imagine, you know, a lot of people don't do the math on it, but 15 cents on a 600 pound animal selling at $1.50. There's money there that is being lost at, and then you times that by however many cattle you have. Right. And I'm just throwing out arbitrary, arbitrary dollar 50, 600 pounds. You know, not everyone sells like that, but, it gets to the point that if you can look at a farmer like me or Frank, we can make an extra 50 bucks a head. All right. But wow, that can, that 50 bucks yeah. on a couple hundred cattle goes a yeah. long way. Sure. And that's what we want. And if we can get farmers in this area to get back to the old thing of feeding cattle, doing more farming, like Frank mentioned before, yeah, we're more ranchers now than we are farmers, but we get guys back into farming and growing crops and feeding cattle and show and putting that product out here to the surrounding area, there's money to be made. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, yes. and, and also 
where every day, everything about today's is about branding. You guys are Mountaineer Media. For sure. You guys have a great name, good logo, but what you're doing is you're building a brand. Yep. And, you know, that was, and that came about from farming brands. You know, you branded your cattle. That was your cattle. <laughs> Holy shit. What a drop right there. <laughs> what a drop, right? <laughs> That's so true. So what we got to do is build the brand of the cattle back, build the farms back up, you know, get, get these guys recognition, get these women. There's a lot of women farmers doing this too. Um, we got to get people the recognition they deserve for the hard work they put in when nobody sees what we do. You know, right. I, I'm out. I, I literally, there's no one near me. There's no one near Frank. No one, no one's patting us on the back saying, Hey, good job for breaking <laughs> good that job ice. today. Yeah. Yeah. My dad's probably wondering, why aren't you keeping up with me right now? Cause he's already <laughs> left the field. And, he's like, get and, off the you know, damn but, phone. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, he, he uses a little bit worse words than that, but yeah. Um, <laughs> I had to tell, I already told him I couldn't be within about earshot of him because we use nonverbal words on this farm a lot. But if we get within earshot, the words start getting in four letter increments. And uh, <laughs> so. Yeah, how man, old, if you don't mind me asking, how old is your dad? He's still, he's like, it's just like, he's just going to keep doing this for the rest of his life. Is he just like, well, like, I feel like you guys, eight generations, this is just something that's not even considered. I mean, I'm sure it's a, some days it feels like a job, but it also just feels like a way of life at this point. It is a way of life. My dad's 63. Uh, he's been okay. doing this for 40 years uh, now at this point. Wow. You know, obviously, you know, the government won't count the years before 16, but you know, we're, uh, you know, he's like, he's lifetimer. He, he mm -hmm. left for a couple years, got a degree in uh, uh, auto diesel. And then he did a little bit of that, did a little bit of construction work, hauled some cattle for a few years, but he came back to the farm about when he was in his late twenties. Okay. And wow. he's, and he's been doing this every day, just about, I mean, we take, we try to take Sundays off where we can, but again, wintertime they can't eat. So we got to work on Sundays. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But you know, he's been 24 seven at this for 40 years and Retirement is not one of those things that's thrown out a lot in farming. Um, because again, think about it. You got to retire. What do you got to do? You got to sell your business and your land and then go somewhere else. Mm -hmm. uh, because, you know, most people, when they, they quit their job, they got 401ks or some retirement stuff. Yeah, we can do some investing, put some money aside. But at the end result, when you retire, you usually sell your business. Well, if we sell our business, which are these beautiful ladies behind me, we can't afford to keep this land. We can't afford yeah. to keep doing what we do. Yeah. So retirement's not really a thing. Um, it is, you know, some, some of the guys, they, they turn it over to their kids like me. I'm hoping one day that, you know, I'll, you know, be the overall runner of this farm and Frank's the same way with his. Um, and that, that's a goal, mm -hmm. but again, it's expensive. Right. Definitely. More of a transition, not like a hard quit. All right, we're done. We're quitting it. More of a yeah. transition. Today's the day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm good to go. That's again, it. my my grandfather, um, he was 80, what was he? He was in his late 80s, uh, exact date, but he literally got cancer, fought that off, went back to work in his 70s, and then he got sick again, and I think he stopped farming maybe for about two weeks before he died. Wow. I mean, he, yeah, he was, in a, he was in a tractor probably two, three weeks before he passed away, and I know for those last two or three weeks, he was pissed off. <laughs> he was he, he was not a happy camper and uh you know and this it's the livelihood cooper are you looking to buy or sell a home in kanawha putnam or cabell counties right now i'm not but i might know somebody who is cj what should they do 
Yeah, so look, this is as easy as it gets. You're gonna skip on over to buildingappalachia.com because they are gonna be able to help you out if you're looking to buy or sell in Kanawha, Putnam, or Cabell counties. Those guys at Building Appalachia are great. So you just head over to their website and then there's literally a link. I'm looking at it right now. It says, we buy houses in West Virginia. We sell houses in West Virginia. And you can click the tab, sell a home, buy a home. Easy as that, easy as that. And then you're gonna get a call from those guys. They're gonna wanna come check the place out. They're gonna give you a cash offer. So man, if you need cash trying to sell a property, dude, they, they'll have it to you. And, and, and these guys at Building Appalachia, just uh, they've got it figured out. Jordan and Jacob, we had them on the podcast. You heard their story. You know their mission of trying to make West Virginia a better place to live and work. No hidden fees, no commissions. Call Building Appalachia at 304-881-8487 or go to buildingappalachia.com. The link is in our bio and all of our social media. Get connected with them to buy, sell, or invest in real estate in Southern West Virginia. Well, you guys are, I mean, I, I love it for a, a couple of different reasons. One, I think it's, it's to me, it's like, I think this is the type of stuff that West Virginia needs, like two young, strong entrepreneurs, but also like you guys have a good sense of the understanding of like digital media, branding, how to make West Virginia and like letting other people know that, hey, this is possible. This, you know, all the stuff that gets talked about West Virginia, like there are cool stuff and you can be innovative in an almost like an old town kind of traditional type of state like West Virginia that we all love. But you can that doesn't mean that you can't be innovative and business savvy and understand how to compete in this new market so to me it's just like it's so cool and inspiring to see you guys go after it because i think that's representative for what a lot of people can do in, in west virginia so it's, it's awesome to see a success story thank you and, and there's a lot sure. you know there's a lot of stuff that the young farmers can do you know the usda is out there recognizing a lot that's going on with the meat industry you know they're wanting to inject money into operations like ours across the nation um and west virginia desperately needs something you know mm -hmm. we are you know We've transitioned a lot to tourism, but not a lot of towns can always, you know, hold on to that. You know, not everyone has the Greenbrier, you know, 20 minutes down the road mm -hmm. to, uh, you know, to lean against. You know, there's small towns with farms just like mine and Frank's that, you know, they're getting passed over because there isn't a whole lot of tourism there. You know, we have the outdoors. It's gorgeous in this state. I wish more people would come to this state and see what we got going on. Um, but we, you know agro business is definitely can grow in this state uh we have you know there's a lot of stuff with the strip mines that used to be that they're paying people to raise stuff on there like apple orchards and you know right. all different kinds of stuff so and beef cattle is not the only farming that needs to be done in this state either i should say that you know mm -hmm. that's just something me and frank grew up in and we know how to do it you know we, we're kind of staying in our lane with that one yeah <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, That's what you know. Yeah, yeah exactly. Well, so. you guys were uh, Mountain Steer Meat Company born in the pandemic. And here as we're on the other end of it, you guys are growing. That is an awesome story. And you guys have given us some great insight into what the new age farmer looks like. You're a, a millennial out here branding on social media, not just the cows. So that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. everybody that's going to do it for this episode of the mountaineer media podcast thank you to frank and james for jumping on with us and taking about an hour out of your work day because we know that you guys are extremely busy 
particularly in the morning when we like to record. So we appreciate you guys taking some time out of your day to talk with us and tell us about all of the things that you guys are doing. So best of luck to you. Thank you again for speaking with us and telling your story. Everybody else, thank you as always for listening to this episode. And if you have any guest recommendations, please shoot us a note. We're on every social media platform imaginable, even the ones that you can't even think of. Maybe. Maybe we're there, maybe not, but definitely Google us that we're easy to find, easy to contact. Email us, mountaineermediapodcast at gmail.com, or again, most of the popular social media websites we're on. Shoot us a message if you have somebody in mind that you want on the pod. So thank you again for tuning in, and we'll be back again soon. Peace.